Was that week two or week tour? Is the comebacko going to stick as a name? And Kyler Murray leads the Raiders D on a chase hitherto unseen since OJ in his white Bronco. All this and more as the great debate returns for season 2022. argument based on fact. I'm just a regular dude. I like to drink beer. You know, I love my family. Rock, flag, and eagle. Right, Charlie? We want old man Patterson here with his finger on the button. What button? OJ can get away with murder. Why can't Sonny have his kid? Seriously, how bloody good is football? Sunday was an all-time red zone day, featuring two of the witchingest witching hours ever amongst the seven hours of commercial-free football. And now the great debate is back bigger and better than last year anyway, with unwavering waiver-wire words of wisdom. I'm still Sheehan, I'm still your host, and joining me tonight is the co-host of the Screen Pass podcast, Justin Barber. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great, Sheehan. How you doing today? I'm good. I'm looking forward to getting back behind the podium, back behind the lectern, back behind the the rostrum, I think some people might call it. Ooh, and fancy. Going head- yeah, right? <laughs> going right. head to head for some waiver wire uh, debating. Now, I mentioned off the top, I say off the top, really not too long ago, you were the co-host of the Korean Pass podcast. Why don't you tell the good people a little bit more about the show? Oh, it is wonderful. Um, we just have a lot of fun with it. It is football and popular culture. So it's everything from we made a fantasy team out of Marvel characters. We did the same thing out of literary characters. We check out movies like uh, Balls Out and Gus, and we're doing shows such as Family Guy with the football episodes where we have Gronk or Simpsons or Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So we really do have a full breadth of things that we cover. The underlining theme is always that it's football and popular culture, but we kind of like to give our thoughts on other things out there. Um, and we just have a blast doing it. It's it's worth a listen for sure. Yeah, I agree. I never miss an episode. Now. Tough day for you yesterday with Miami coming back from a record beat. Have you recovered? No, I'm still licking my wounds over here. It was a good game, but it obviously as a Ravens fan, it could have been better. You know, giving props to the Dolphins, man, Tua and Hill and Waddle, they they came out strong, especially going into that fourth quarter. I kind of blame the Ravens there for not holding on to that lead, though, Uh, but uh, what can you do any given Sunday, right? Just look to next week, see if we can get it down. But I will say this, Lamar's throwing a lot better, so I like that from a Ravens standpoint. And hopefully, if anyone watched any of the last two games, this dialogue of him not being able to throw kind of gets put to bed. Yeah, he was lights out yesterday. I watched quite a bit of the game. Uh, well, it was always on on Red Zone, hence why I was uh, watching quite a bit of it. He looked fantastic. It was um incredible finish. It was a weekend of incredible finishes, really. I was about to go to sleep and then ended up staying up to watch the end of the Cardinals Raiders. 
uh, I kept saying, as soon as the game's over, as soon as the game's over, well, they showed me. Right. <laughs> on happier things from the weekend, we like to do this here at The Great Debate. What were you right about on the weekend? Ooh, well, it's so much easier to remember all the things you were wrong about on the weekend. But there was some some good things. Uh, a lot of takes that were out there, I was in line with. A few things I was right on. Uh, a lot of people were fading Bateman. Um, I know that's kind of going back to the Wall of the Ravens, but... You know, I really figured that they would be kind of focusing on stopping that run, trying to contain Lamar and Mark Andrews. So uh, I was in on Bateman that going into the week, in on a few others, which I think people were a little concerned about. I know you're a big fan of uh, Curtis Samuel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I picked up Curtis Samuel and Scott Fish. Um, I rolled him out this past week as well. We've seen him do it before. He fits really well into what those commanders are looking to do. He kind of has that Debo very light situation that's going on there. So I was hopeful going into the season that he would rise kind of up to that level of what he's been doing and he is not disappointed. Yeah, I totally agree. I said on the main show last week that Chase Claypool was, uh, no, we can't stop for Debo Samuel. We have Debo Samuel at home. I think uh, Curtis Samuel is somewhere between the two of them there, between Claypool and Debo. Agreed. But it's good to see him doing well. You know, he was kind of promoted a lot last season, and he had injuries, and it never really worked out. And then everyone just seemed to forget about him. Like, he didn't exist. Like, the hype was there, and then it just went away. Well, why aren't we hyping him again this year, going into the season? Obviously, you're not going to elevate him to where he was last year, but still, a great pick in the later rounds. Why not scoop him up and see if it comes to anything? And it has. So if he's out there on your waiver wire, go grab him. Absolutely. And Scott Turner seems to love him. And something about that Washington offense maybe looks a little bit better than we thought it might. Certainly, you're going to have the ups and downs. And we saw that. Uh, we saw the good and the bad uh, against the Lions. But I think you could do worse than Curtis Samuel, an offense that's going to have to throw a lot. And they get involved in the, the running game, which is also what you want to see. Now, we're recording this ahead of the Monday night doubleheader. Do you need any Monday night miracles tonight? Yeah, just just one, really. I need Derrick Henry to go off in my big money home league. I had kind of a disappointing weekend. I did okay. My team did okay, but I really went up a, against a challenging opponent. So, Derrick Henry, if you can get like 30 fantasy points, somewhere in that range. If you want to get more, that's fine, but that is... um. That's my Hail Mary pray right now. <laughs> How about you? You got anyone that you're rooting for? I had an up and down week, but the only one I'm still really alive in, I need Robert Woods, Ryan Tannehill, Dalvin Cook, and AJ Brown to outscore Derek Henry by 47 points. We can make a compromise, you know, like let's give them 48 and then we'll give Derek Henry uh, 47. 46, 45, I don't care. Anything above 30 seems good to me. How about a, a little 35 from Derrick Henry, and then my guys can get 82. I think that feels about right. A little bit worried about Sold. Robert Woods, a little bit worried about Ryan Tannehill, but Dalvin Cook and AJ Brown, they're going to come in big. Yep, I'm rolling out both of those in a couple leagues tonight. One league I've definitely won, but it's still nice to just kind of get those extra points in there. Great. Now, the great debate, we are back for another year. Uh, and this year, we are part of 32-Bit. If you're not familiar with it, go and check out at 32-Bit on Twitter. That's the number 30, T-W-O-B-I-T, and get involved with everything we're doing. We have the new 32 Teams Fantasy Football Podcast. 
We have shows like Screen Pass. We have some great Twitter spaces with guys like uh, Bob Harris, Marcus Grant, uh, Mike Florio, me, if that's uh, your wheelhouse. Check it out. Something for everyone. It's not just football. It's lifestyle. It's entertainment. So give us a look over there. And don't forget, this week's episode is sponsored by the Nevada Gaming Commission, Las Vegas. Just because you're winning big doesn't mean you should stop playing. For those of you who haven't listened to the show before, the format is simple. We have three minutes each to debate the merits of a particular player you might be considering for the waiver wire. We'll then go back and forth with a minute of rebuttal to tell each other why we are wrong. Tonight, we go head to head on two running backs who found themselves towards the top of their team's depth chart and are competing for touches with two of the game's preeminent running quarterbacks. They being Kenyon Drake, the Baltimore Ravens, and Eno Benjamin of the Arizona Cardinals. I'll be telling you why Eno is not a dirty word, but first, Justin, tell us why we shouldn't hate the Drake. Oh yeah, another home homer pick here, which is why I'm going in on the Drake. The Ravens picked Kenyon Drake up on August 31st, which was a little over week one for the football season. They signed him after having Mike Davis, which shows me that they really didn't quite see what they wanted to in Mike Davis. Now, so far, he hasn't been impressive. That's no secret. Week one, he had 11 carries for 31, along with uh, 15 yards on one target. He split carries, which isn't surprising because he had only been on the team for a week. Now, week two, ugh, yikes, six carries for eight yards, very disappointing. But in all fairness, the Dolphins seem to be doing very well this year. They held Damian Harris for nine for 48 yards and they turn this Ravens game into a complete shootout. What I'm looking for in Kenyon Drake is the stash potential. Currently he's the number one RB on the Ravens that definitely focus heavily on the run. And you know what? In the past, Kenyon Drake has done it last year. He did play second fiddle to Josh Jacobs on the Raiders, which was a messy. We can all admit that that was a messy situation. He also went out in December for an ankle injury. But if you look at like week six, he got you 20 points. You look at week seven, he got you 15 points. Week nine, 13 points. These aren't world beating numbers, but they're definitely serviceable when you're looking at fantasy and he's given the chance. If you look back to 2020, he was RB 14 on the season. So an argument that we have is Lamar runs a lot. So does Kyler Murray. Sure. And Lamar will continue to run, but the Ravens are still designing run plays for their backs. So that has value in fantasy. Plus, Lamar appears to be passing a lot more this season. Some argue it's to keep himself healthy through the contract disputes. We we all know that he's going to take off at least a couple times a game. But the run game will be there. The design runs will be there. And if he's not running as much, that passing game to those running backs as they cross over are going to be there. Now, Dobbins is coming off an ACL tear. Reports are that he looks good, but how good will he be? Will he be up to his potential? This is all unknown. And besides that, and the fantasy community hates to hear this, but some teams use a workhorse and some use a committee. We want the Javante Williams and the Miles Sanders to get the workload, but these teams use committees The Ravens have done so for the last few years. So far, this has been their game script. So even if Dobbins comes back and looks great, 
chances are they're going to be mixing up running backs in there. It'll probably infuriate you as a Dobbins owner, but it gives Drake the potential. And if something were to happen with Dobbins, Kenyon Drake's your man. Well, that's all very compelling, and I'm sure there are plenty of children out there in the world called Kenyon or Drake based on um, Kenyon Drake winning people fantasy championships in 2020, and certainly he lost me one. But this week in 2022 here in the real world, Kenyon Drake comes up against the Patriots. The Patriots held Miami to 65 yards on 23 attempts in week one, held Najee Harris, first round fantasy running back, Najee Harris, to 49 yards on 15 attempts. Now, Harbour is going to attack the Patriots where they are weakest. Pats have a slow secondary. They have slow linebackers. The Ravens have the outside mid, the outside mismatches and the inside mismatches to make the most of that. They're just not going to need Kenyon Drake. And you know what? Lamar Jackson, one of the best goal line backs in the league. He can do enough with his legs close to goal to make Drake a non-entity. And so far, 17 carries for 39 yards. They're not inspiring hope. Yes, the Ravens, fantastic running offense, but I just don't see it for Kenyon Drake. And you know, Benjamin, on the other hand, week one, four rushes for 28 yards, three catches for 33 yards on 22 snaps. Okay. Week two, eight rushes, that's double for 31 yards, not so good, and three catches for 20 yards on 33 snaps. Led the cards in total touches, which is excellent considering they came from behind. Now, even with James Conner healthy, Benjamin had won the role as the the backup in this offense, and they were getting him more involved in the passing game. Four targets in week one, four targets in week two. We all know how much more valuable catches are for running backs than, uh, uh, than just standard rushes. Eno Benjamin is the premier pass-catching back in that offense. This week, the Cardinals head to the Rams. They're not going to be running it up the middle. They're going to be passing the ball and needing extra blockers. Benjamin is that better pass-catcher. He's a better pass-blocker than Darrell will give me the ball and wait for Aaron, Donald's, Aaron Donald to flatten me up the middle. Williams. You mentioned that Lamar is a rushing quarterback and so is Kyler Murray. For me, Lamar's a rushing quarterback. Kyler's more of a scrambler. We can see what he can do with his legs, but Kingsbury has long been cautious about deploying him as a scripted runner too much. They're not about to let the guy they paid a lot of money to not play video games get hurt doing dumb shit. Kyler Murray is a small man. He's smaller than both of us. Looks like a child with a helmet on. Like they're not going to run him up the middle in the same way that Lamar Jackson does. That's why James Conner is such an effective goal line back because they need that big thumper to come up the middle in the red zone because they don't want to use Kyler Murray. So yeah, although Kyler might vulture a touchdown here or there. It's really the rollout and scramble, the bootleg that he does, as opposed to the design runs. I mentioned Daryl Williams. He's going to be a popular ad this week. It's still a split backfield there, as far as I'm concerned, behind Connor, a man who's had lingering health issues most of his career. And that's absolutely okay. It's okay that it's a split backfield, because as I've said, Benjamin, the superior pass catcher, and that's going to suit the likely gain script against the Rams, who are going to want to turn it on after being fairly average in the first two weeks. Yes, they scored lots of points against the Falcons. They don't think they played particularly well, uh, but there is certainly potential to run up the score on the Cardinals here. And Darrell Williams, well, he's going to be the hot waiver wire name. You know what that means? It's going to cost you a lot of fab. You can get the better player with better opportunities for points due to that pass catching in a split backfield. Essentially, could be a 50-50 split, maybe more. For less fab, just because fantasy football is narrative-driven. If everyone is telling you to go for Damian Williams, he's obviously going to be more expensive. Eno Benjamin is the financially savvy decision here and the fantasy savvy decision. Okay. Um, let's look at it like this. 
Eno Benjamin is listed as number two on the depth chart. And that certainly has value if, if Connor misses time. But when Connor went down, Daryl Williams and Eno Benjamin split carries. Williams broke off with a 30-yard run, had the better stats. You mentioned that Connor is good at the getting the goal line touches, and that's what they'll need. Well, one thing that concerns me with this is that Williams got the first opportunity for the goal lines. I expect a timeshare between these two here. Both will be worth adding, but they're probably going to fall somewhere in an RB3 range if I'm looking at it. Additionally, Eno Benjamin is entering his third year, and he's only really had one decent game. Nine points, I think it was, uh, last year against San Francisco. So we're not really sure how this is going to shake out for him. I also have concerns as far as the longevity if Connor returns. It seems like he is getting some usage, and that's great. But when Connor comes back, where is he going to fall in that lineup? You mentioned about Kenyon Drake and them not needing him. Well, if you're massively ahead in the scoreboard, what are you going to do? You're going to run. You're going to slow it down. They're not going to be getting Lamar out there taking risky picks. They're going to hand it to their running back and push through. So while I think that both of these guys are worth a waiver wire ad, I think it really depends on what you're looking for. Is it something that's more of a long-term lottery ticket or something that you have to roll out right away? If you're looking to kind of hold, see how things play out, what you need, I think Kenan Drake might be a guy worth looking at. So rolling out of that into, I suppose, general waiver chat, we can break kayfabe here. Are you genuinely interested in adding either of these or even I'll throw Daryl Williams into the mix for this? Yeah, yeah, I do think that they're all worth a shot. I, I think running backs are so scarce and slim. I am a little bit hesitant into rolling one in this week, to be honest with you. I think, like I said, I kind of see all these in more of a risky RB3 range. Um, you know, it's our instinct as fantasy players and fantasy analysts to grab the next guy up. But all of them kind of give me a little bit of caution that I think that we've we've said throughout this. But at the same time, you have to you have to go for it. I mean, the waiver wire for these running backs is it's the rarest position. It's the most beneficial position when you can get it right. So I think it's worth the time investment to go out and grab these guys. I think that's fair. I'm not pushing the chips in for any of these guys. I think Eno is probably my preferred of the three. I think he's got that long-term pass-catching role, although by the time DeAndre Hopkins comes back, there's going to be a bigger mouth to feed there and potentially fewer targets to go around. So I don't really like either of them for uh, long-term playability. And at this point, you really want someone who's either going to come in as a starter or someone who could be a bi-week fill-in. And I'm not sure any of these three really are. And you're right, Williams had the long run. Maybe he's the guy that gets the goal line work, but I, I just don't think he's that good. No, no, I don't, I don't either. And I'm just, I'm unsure where you know Benjamin is in his skill set, and I'm unsure how much juice Kenyon Drake has. If we're really, really laying it out there on both of them, but again, they are running backs. They are going to be starting running backs, so. If you are in a pinch, you know, go for one of these guys. I think it's um, certainly worth it to get them on your roster, but you're right. Do not put all your chips in on these guys. See which one you can get and go from there. Yeah, I'd like to hear that. Who else are you targeting this week? 
it's it seems like a pretty good week for waivers to be honest with you um depending on how deep your leagues are um a lot of people are scrambling for qbs if two is out there he looked good you know i had a buddy of mine who was in desperate need last week and i told him to pick up golf um because he's he seemed to have a pretty good matchup and i think you're going to find that i mean the talent it's golf story, right? The talent around him elevates what he's able to do for fantasy. I'm yep. not particularly fond of golf, but when you have uh, Amon Ross St. Brown going out there and doing what he did, even before that, when, when golf was with the Rams, I mean, you know, you had Cooper Cup out there, uh, you had Robert Woods out there. So he's also worth it in these trying quarterback times you know there's there's a good several running backs as well tyler algiers out there damian williams moving to ir he's certainly worth a pickup yeah um, i think they're going to try to get him more involved rather than just completely abuse cordell patterson or he mostert he had the higher snap percentage than edmonds i don't think he's gonna take that first level spot but again as we're talking if people are getting snap counts it appears that they're both going to be involved if something were to happen to one or the other then the other one seems to elevate if you're in a shower shallower league drake london looks good what it's like if you're in a shower league just take if you're in a shower league congratulations <laughs> those are fun um, if you're in a shallower league, uh, Drake London's out there. We already mentioned Curtis Samuel. Michael Gallup is out there in a lot of redraft leagues I've seen. You know, the Cowboys, people are worried about them, and I totally get it. But, you know, a lot of people will be scrambling for Noah Brown. But we don't really know how that team's going to look. Right now, the defense is contain CD Lamb, contain the run. But when you get Michael Gallup out there, and now that we saw that Noah Brown is part of that offense, I think all three of them, you know, the water will rise the ships on all those guys. So both Michael Gallup and Noah Brown are worth a pickup to see how that team shakes out. I don't know, man. We can get into some tight ends. <laughs> no, it's, no, that's absolutely fine. The one I would recommend is... Uh people to go for Jacoby Myers. Uh, Mac Jones has looked good. The Patriots have looked bad, but uh, they, he's been peppered with targets. Uh, he doesn't give you a lot after the catch, but again, heading into those bye weeks, a guy who can give you six for 60 or eight for 80 is, is pretty solid. Don't get sucked into Nelson Aguilar. That touchdown was amazing, but I don't see sustainable production. Now, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, in the great debate this week. Why don't you tell the good people where they can find you? So if you want to see me on Twitter, you can come on by to Justin underscore B and you can say hello, see some fantasy takes, see all sorts of stuff like that. See about our screen pass podcast. And if you're interested in seeing some design or web work or interested in design web work, you can go to Justin B.com. Amazing. And as always, I'm at Sheehan Solo. You can find me here each and every week with a great debate with a fantastic guest as we help you dominate that waiver wire. And other than that, we'll see you next week. Good luck.